0: Greetings fellow storytellers. It's Harris here and it is story week. This week is story 2020. Usually this is the time where I say at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center in Nashville, Tennessee. However, you do not need to get on an airplane or in a car and travel all the way to Nashville for story 2020. It is entirely virtual. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, You know that by now. However, it has become increasingly clear in the weeks leading up all of the advantages of this year's conference being virtual. Recently, by recently, I mean today, at the time of recording, we hosted a webinar with my friend and executive coach, Jason Jagger, where we dove into some ways to sort of pre-game the story experience, how to maximize the value of your story ticket through what he calls full participation. And we did it all through the context of leadership, something we consider an essential to storytelling. This is a special episode of the Story Podcast where we are simply going to take the audio from today's webinar that you had to register for in order to attend and simply give it to you here, delivering it on this platform of the Story Podcast. Here is today's webinar with Jason Jaggard. Harris here. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I am so excited to be hanging out with you. Uh, I cannot believe that story is next week. Can you guys believe that story is next week? It starts next Thursday. Uh, It's so funny. I've been on the phone all week long with different presenters, breakout teachers, moderators, our team. And every time we talk to someone on the phone, it's just like, hey, so in a few weeks, oh, hold up. It's not in a few weeks. It's next week. (laughs) It feels so weird. Time is such a weird thing um, this year uh, in 2020. I don't know how many of you can relate to that, but it's next week. We are officially no longer a week away. We are days away. Uh, And I'm so excited about today's sort of mini masterclass as we've been calling them um, because we have one of my favorite people in the whole world joining us. So many of you already know him. Uh, He really needs no introduction, but I will introduce him anyway because he's one of my closest friends, uh, Jason Jaggard. So Jason, while you're jumping on, hopefully your camera come on so I can see your face as I brag about how awesome you are uh, because that's what you always do to me. When we're around other people and it's always super awkward because you start telling people you're like this is my friend harris and you say all these really kind uh, awesome partially true things <laughs> and then i'm just like stop 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 um, but jason man story would not exist without you this community if they've been paying attention they have heard me say that multiple times and it is 100 percent true back in 2016 i was doing nothing more with my life other than traveling around the world, doing magic shows. And for for a consistent couple of years, you were this voice who was constantly saying um, at least validating. I was like, was I meant for more than this? And you were like, yes, you are. Um, And no one got me to believe in that potential inside of me more than you did, uh, especially in that season. Um, And so you have an extraordinary ability as a coach to, Um, shift people's mindsets in extraordinary ways and help them realize just how much potential they have as storytellers to do amazing things in the world. And obviously you've done that for people that are way cooler and more important than I am. You've coached some incredible leaders. Um, And today I'm excited to talk about this topic because when we we chatted beforehand, first of all, thank you for joining us. I know how busy you are. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to hang out with us today. Um, And there's, this is crazy. I don't know if you've seen these comments over on the side, people have been introducing themselves. Um, Like we have so many countries represented in the Story community this year. And I think part of that is the result of this shift to virtual. Um, We've always had multiple countries represented at Story, but I've seen multiple countries today. There's over 20 countries represented at Story 2020 registrations for next week. Um, So I'm excited that people are hanging out with us. Thank you guys for introducing yourselves. And Jason, thank you for joining us. So let me pause uh, and just let you say hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Harris. And and hello, everyone uh, in the Story community. I feel like we are in this together. And I, I love seeing how many people from all over and everyone's checking in. And Harris, you're an easy person. You're... You're an easy person to believe in, and I think, and I'm grateful uh, for you. I'm grateful for this community, and and uh, what I love is just to say this: the Harris is in some ways like a lightning rod to really beautiful conversations. And I'm grateful not only for Harris, but I'm grateful for uh, so many of you who uh, I've become friends with and gotten to know, and people in my world have gotten to know. And this really is a community, and uh, Harris is—it's—I imagine it's a pretty fun community to be the mayor of.
0: Well. <laughs> Uh, I love that language. Kevin Carroll, who I saw a comment from earlier, he used to be considered the, the mayor of Nike. And I always loved him telling me stories about what it makes for a good mayor. Um, I kind of think of him as the mayor of story. I don't really know what I am with story. People are like, what do you do with stories? Like, I don't know. I kind of just own and try to produce this thing. Um, And you're doing that thing again, where somehow you shift the conversation back to me. uh, And it feels really awesome. (laughs) And I appreciate your kind words. But really, this is about what you have to share with us today. Um, And when we were talking to prepare for this, um, you know, this is technically a part of a series that we call Essentials in Storytelling. And when we started talking about the essential of leadership, it's not really a word that I think many people would be quick to assume is a storytelling essential. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about leadership later on, um, during our time together today, but just briefly, let's just sort of set this up a little bit. Why is leadership, because it doesn't feel like it's a part of necessarily a step of a creative process. Why is leadership an essential to great storytelling?
1: Yeah, well, I, I find that uh, storytelling is an indispensable tool of leaders, and I, and I think part of this, I hope this is answering your question, Harris, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes artists make in maximizing their own potential is not looking at themselves like leaders. I think oftentimes artists and creatives and storytellers see leadership as something that other people do, and they do their thing, and, and we can talk more about this later, perhaps, but just to set up the tension point, I think one of the biggest mistakes that storytellers and artists and creatives make in a way that hurts their art, you know, if, if you're here and you want to expand your storytelling capacity, you want to expand your art, you want to expand uh, your creativity. I think one of the greatest places to look at is uh, your leadership capabilities. And so maybe we'll be talking about that a little bit later.
0: Yeah. Quick question on that. I know we'll, (laughs) this is the part where we keep saying, we'll dig into that later and we keep digging into it now and we'll dig into that later. Uh, But one more mini way of digging into that now, because I'm sure there's some cynicism and people are, are just like, is this turning into like one of those business leadership kind of things? I thought story was about creativity and storytelling and artistry and creating. Um, Why is it, when people who create professionally or view themselves in some sort of creative role as their hobby or side hustle or whatever, artists specifically, I have discovered often struggle with seeing themselves as leaders. What is the natural tension and pushback against that word?
1: Yeah, and I might, well, I'm sure there's a a thousand different answers for people on the call. Here's my experience in my own life as, and I would identify as a creative in fact, I would identify more authentically as a creative than as a coach or an executive. I think I mentioned this before, Harris, you know, I uh, I get to operate a couple of multi-million dollar companies these days. And uh, like a year and a half ago, I was Googling what does a CEO do. You know, so that always felt like really uh, like inauthentic to me. <laughs> yeah. and, and so there's those pieces. So I, I, this is something in my life, um, but I, I think I might shift it maybe a little bit. I, I and this is my own words, but, um, I wonder sometimes if it's not that we struggle to identify as leaders. I wonder if it's sometimes we are scared to identify as leaders. I think that leadership is first and foremost an act of courage, just like creativity or artistry is. And I think that oftentimes we we simply choose not to point the, the spotlight of courage into that part of our lives. Uh, but I actually believe that to be human is to be a leader. I think that every human being is born a leader. And uh, so so it's, I think that it's something that we unintentionally neglect because, and, and maybe to answer this a little more thoroughly, uh, I think that the idea of leadership, like people use like the word mantle of leadership, the burden of leadership. And I find that oftentimes like butterfly creative, you know, kind of go with the wind and I have all the feels and I'm very sensitive and I'm an empath and all those types of things. Yeah, like we, we, we have the burden of our emotions. We have the burden of our creative struggles. we have the burden of our neuroses you know so we're not really looking for extra burdens. So the idea of like taking on the, the burden of the mantle of leadership doesn't sound necessarily that appealing to us. Um, but I might look at it like the burden of the mantle of leadership is like a bench press and uh, it's, it's one that I think that we ignore at our own peril and if you want to become strong, uh, you you have to to take advantage of all of the uh, dumbbells and and leg presses and bench presses that are available to us. And the bench press of leadership is one of and one of my favorites when it comes to expanding life.
0: Agreed. Uh, someone said that people associate leadership in business rather than art, um, and that's that's a great point. And then Nick followed up with, "How would you define leadership?" And I I, I look at those two together. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this. You know, we, we say all the time at Story that storytellers are the architects of culture that, you know, the, the places that people think tend to influence the future, like politics, uh, financial services or banking industries, whatever. You know, you have all these different sectors of culture and they certainly have influence and impact on culture. But typically, like take politics, for example, before a group of politicians get together to start arguing about a new bill or passing new legislation, most of the time, it is simply being shifted and changed to reflect public opinion. And public opinion yeah. is usually formed and driven uh, by the narratives that were put in place by artists and storytellers. And so, if, if you equate leadership with influence, really artists and storytellers have the potential to play the role of leaders, maybe the best leaders of our time. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was yeah and I, yeah, I would suggest if you look at the best leaders in history they were all master storytellers. And uh, and I'll say this, I'm nervous to say this. There's another word for story, which is also called propaganda, you know? And so whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not really curious about in this conversation, but like leaders are storytellers. Another definition of leadership I like is uh, leadership is the art of defining reality. So like as a leader, you shape, like we architect meaning through our stories and stories do architect meaning and uh you know another another piece of this that makes me well first of all i don't want to respond specifically to some of these questions here I, I love the idea of people or i appreciate the the comment that people associate leadership in business rather than an art form and i'm going to steal you know john maxwell's got a great definition of leadership i think it's nice it's leadership is influence and i actually wrote in my book spark that i wrote years ago i wrote about this idea of like leadership is influence which means you actually have influence uh you're a leader before you're born because you exist uh, before you're born actually shapes the life of your mother and you know and there's an impact there so like leadership is impact and art is impact and and honestly you know we, we joked about this when we we're talking about prep for this call you know i remember and i don't think charles barkley would feel this way now but one time a long time ago when charles was younger and and you know everyone's on a journey he had some phrase like where he was being interviewed and like kind of someone was wagging their finger at him for choices he was making and charles said i'm not a role model you know, like, you know, kids shouldn't look at me. I'm not a role model. And I think in that moment, I think that and I think he would say this now. I think he would say that that's naive. You know, of course, he's a, of course, he's a role. Of course, he's a leader. Of course, he's a role model. Like in some ways, you don't get to decide if you're a role model or not. And as an artist, uh, you're, you're a leader, whether you, whether you like it or not. And I think it's sad when we regulate the, the idea of leadership to one part of our lives, especially business of all places to regulate leadership to that if you are a spouse, if you're married, you're a leader, you're leading your spouse, whether you're the, you know, no matter what gender you are in that relationship, you're, you're a leader. If you have kids, you're a leader. You know, when I watch Harris, uh, with his kids, like he's leading his kids. And if you are, if you, if you, and by the way, if you are an artist, that also means you're, you're selling something. You know, if you're a writer and you're trying to get the New York times to publish your thing or the New Yorker to publish your thing, you're trying to influence them to like your work and to You know, you're a leader, you know, if you are a musician and you want people to hear your music and you're hoping that people come to your show, you're a leader. If you are a filmmaker and you're hoping to get Warner Brothers to look at your script or to look at the short that you're hoping gets blown out into a feature. Well, that's all influence. You are a leader. And so it's impossible to separate leadership from success in terms of the artistic and creative endeavor.
0: Completely agree. And honestly, like you're hitting on so many passion points of why we do what we do at Story. Uh, it's why I love this community because we're constantly trying to empower them to believe in this type of leadership. But then when you feel empowered, there comes this responsibility, right? Cause with great power comes great responsibility. And so we have actually seen how storytellers have played a role at sort of, you know, damaging different parts of our culture and driving behavior that isn't always healthy, which is why we need great st- storytellers to rise to the occasion and do better.
1: Yeah, agreed. And to, to, you mentioned this earlier. First of all, thank you for quoting Spider-Man. and that's really, that's a really beautiful point. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. And there is a generation of leaders who learned that not from Socrates or not from Stoic philosophy, which is probably where it came from, or even from like the Christian scriptures. And there's that idea is embedded in a lot of traditions. They got it from watching, from going to the theater and having the lights dim and the curtain, the red velvet curtain, pull back, and watching Tobey Maguire you know, do his thing with a, with a Hoot Sam, with the Sam Randy film, right? That's where they learned that idea. And, and just to talk about this briefly, uh, this is something I'm very passionate about. One time, I'm not going to say who the author was, but a very famous author who writes regularly for the New York times and the New Yorker was talking about how, uh, they suggested that leadership was figuring out where people want to go and then taking them there. And I, I couldn't agree less with that idea. Like I have a very, uh, <laughs> I do not think that leadership that I'm sure that's something I'm sure we can, that we can call that something, but we can't call it leadership. It's not figuring out where people are already going to go and then take them there. I'm much more, uh, attuned to like Steve jobs, definition of leadership, which is people don't know where they want to go until you show them. Yeah. And I think the storytellers, this is a tension between art and commerce. You know, like oftentimes the suits want you to tell a story that already resonates with the zeitgeist. Oh, this is what people are doing. We need to make movies like this. Oh, this is very popular. We need to make movies like this. And that is my least favorite form of thinking. I know it's important, I know there's a place for it, but in terms of leadership, leadership isn't saying, where are they going? Leadership is saying, where should they be going? There's a moral imperative embedded in leadership and to say, I'm going to take people where I believe that we must go together and, rather than like polling and doing those types of things and, and figuring out where people already want to go and then going there. And so I, I think storytellers have a moral obligation to ask the questions, What does a healthy society look like? What is, what is, what do healthy relationships look like? And then to start singing songs and telling stories and creating art that takes us in that direction.
0: No doubt. No doubt. I was just having a conversation last night over text with a friend. We were talking about that tension between art and commerce. You know, he has this opportunity in front of him and I was like, I was trying to help him dream. I was trying to awaken his wonder and stir his imagination to all the possibilities. I was like, dude, this could this could quite literally shape the future of the industry that you're working in. And his pushback was, but that's not what people want. Um, and the, the <laughs> easiest path for this to be profitable right now is, and then he just sort of laid it out. And I'm just beating my head on my desk going like, don't give them what they want of course that's what they want they don't one they don't know what they want and what artists do is they create awaken people's wonder and invite them into becoming a character in a story that maybe they would have never imagined on their own
1: uh, yeah. yeah and it is like as we kick this around it is almost like the uh the aunt and uncle version of leadership versus the mother father version of leadership mm-hmm. you know like the aunt and uncle, but my nephews get sent to me hey whatever you guys want to do <laughs> that's what we're going to do <laughs> It's Uncle Jason time. You know, let's, let's hey, you want to go eat junk food? Cool, right? You want to go watch movies? you. Cool, like, that's no problem, right? And I frankly, I think there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I think probably there's uh, artists that fit into three camps, maybe more. One is the people who completely just give people what they want. Uh, and, and again, there's a time and a place for that. And so probably if you could create a Venn diagram, finding the intersection of these three things would probably be good. But, you know, what, what do people want? then there's the and i think most artists don't even get that far like that that's actually like artistry level 2.0 1.0 is artists just creating what they like and i think there's, and i'd say that almost with some tongue-in-cheek in terms of like a degree of narcissism where you got like this kind of navel gazing thing where you make stuff that you like but no one else cares about and then you get pissed when they don't appreciate your art you know kind of a thing so like 0.0, 0.0 or 1.0 is like you know i make it for me and then no one, no one likes it, and then I get mad at the world for not, you know, valuing me the way I think I need to be valued. And the next level is actually starting to care about what other people want, you know, like oh, let's give them, just give them what they want. And then, the, and that's like an Uncle version leadership. And then level number three is parent level leadership, like mom and dad level leadership. And that's where you don't give people what they want, you give people what you think they need, and you and you, and you lead them the way parents do, like healthy parents do, you know. And I think there's probably some kind of journey of maturation there from the narcissist. To the, uh, to the drug dealer, to the philanthropist in terms of leadership styles. And I think as storytellers, it might be interesting for people on this call to ask yourselves as you're creating your art and living your life, which of those three questions are you asking? Are you asking what feels good just for you? Are you asking the next level is no, what do people want so they can do that to them? Are you asking, you know what is it that's really healthy and important and good? And how can you frame that in a way that shows that's what people need? And then how can you find pleasure? And Harris, I'll stop talking here in a second, but. I actually think like maturity or like spiritual maturity is uh, learning how to desire that which is best for me. The more mature I am as a person, the more deeply I authentically desire what's actually best for me. And immaturity is having a deep desire for things that are not good for me, that are bad for me. And And the human journey I think is transitioning from having an appetite for things that are bad and toxic and harmful for me into developing a deep, rich, authentic appetite for things that are really rewarding and life expanding and challenging and, and uh, beautiful for me. Yeah,
0: that's so good. It also makes me wonder if there's a fourth level because I, I think about yeah. that analogy of parenting. You know, okay, like I wanna be in that category where I give my kids what they need. But then you think of these really great leaders or parents or whatever analogy you wanna use. And some of them have this seemingly magical ability to give people what they need but the people that are following them are really excited about it. Um, and that requires, yeah. maybe that's the difference between just parenting based on necessity and parenting with yeah. artistry. Yes. Are those yeah. the wrong words?
1: No, it's great. I love that. Well, even I, lo- and I, by the way, I love what Dee said. Dee said the best li- leaders can do all those things and determine which is needed for the situation at hand. I love that. A parent is not one thing during the raising of a child. And I and I love that idea. And I, I might riff on that D a little bit if, if you don't mind. You can let us know in the comments if you like it. To say like, as a leader, as, as you know, as my nephews get older, and as I watch my sister parent, I know that what the kids need is to develop their own agency for them to begin listening to themselves and to begin leading themselves. And so as they go, as as kids go through adolescence, I've been told. I'm not a parent. I've been told as kids go through adolescence, your leadership style changes. And in some ways, you're still you're still giving them what they need. What they need is less of you. What they need is is for you to let them make choices and for them to experience those consequences. And that's how I might interact with the intersection of those three things. Dean would love to hear your thoughts as well.
0: Awesome, that's awesome. Well, one of the primary focuses of today is not just this idea of leadership, but you know the intersection between leadership and this idea of maximizing your value um, at any event, whether that's a ticket to story or any other experience. Which I would imagine this applies to anything from. A dinner party, a Zoom meeting at work to attending a virtual conference like Story. And part of the way I wanted to frame this up today is this idea of moving from a consumer mindset to a leader mindset. And so as we as we dig into that conversation around maximum value and how that equals full participation, maybe talk a little bit about the intersection of that and consumer versus leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and some of you who, who've been a part of our show before have heard me say this is one of the things at our firm. So if you don't know, I, I, uh, I help run a global executive coaching firm. We were This is actually kind of fun, Harris. We, we're, we're working currently right now with over 320 people across the world, which is a lot of like leaders, which is a lot of fun for us as we kind of, as our, as our, the amount of people that we get to serve grows. It's exciting to celebrate, so- to celebrate. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, I, and I, when Harris and I met, there were two of us and now there are over 40 of us. And now we're, and we were, I was working with maybe like five or 10 clients and now there's hundreds of them. So that's exciting. And and Harris, you've been a, a, a huge uh, part of that journey for me and, and of us. So anyway, um, one of the thing, one of the bells that we ring a lot is this idea that uh, maximum value equals full participation. And by the way, that is not intuitive. I just want to I want to slow that down just for a second. So if some of you are new we oftentimes we ask the question, where does value come from, right? So like, as an example, you're on this webinar right now, or more appropriately, hopefully all of you have your tickets to story next week. And, you know, virtual conferences and Harris, do you mind if I talk a little bit about disappointment or do you want me to hold off for a little bit? Can I, can I read some of these together? Yeah,
0: because it's, I think it's in light of, it's it's all part of the conversation because a lot of people are like, ah, it sucks that it's virtual. It doesn't have to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like, go ahead if you want me to put in the chat, you know, like how many of us are like a little disappointed by 2020, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> 2020 has not gone the way that any of us expected it to go in almost any way. You know, there's almost, uh, there's just, it's, it's an interesting thing. And what I want to do is I want to slow down, I want to pull apart the experience of disappointment. You know, so when I'm, this is what I want to suggest, you can just try this on, when, when I'm disappointed, one way of looking at that is disappointment is the the grief that comes from the perceived loss of value in the future. So disappointment is the grief and in the, in the, the grief in the present about a perceived loss of value in in the future. And by value I don't mean money necessarily, although that could definitely be true, but any kind of value. Val- loss of value of relationship, loss of value of freedom, loss of value of economic opportunity, loss of value of for me it was travel. Like I didn't realize how, how much I was traveling with work. And I and not only did I get to travel, but I got to travel with my colleagues and my friends, because everyone in the firm, I'm, I know really well, we're, we're close friends. And so, at least at this stage of the company. And, you know, so we get to, we get to go on the road together. We get to hang out together. And, and then, you know, quarantine happened and everything got locked down. And uh, I also get to speak at my church every now and then. I, I'm part of this faith community called Radius and Joseph Barclay a the lead guy. And every now and then he lets me play and I get to speak there and I really appreciate that. And so they were recording uh, the talk you, you pre-record it now in the time of COVID, and so I remember really clearly. I'll never forget this. I, you know, I've been locked up for the last like month or two, and I was getting, I was going to drive and go to a studio where there was like seven people indoors with masks and you know, and socially distancing and everything. But I got to go be around people, and I remember grabbing my like go bag, you know, like my bag with my laptop and things like that that has cables in case I need anything when I, when I just you know, just a quick and go. And I remember grabbing my go bag, and I really, I remember that. I hadn't touched that bag in like two months. And I think, Harris, I mentioned this to you when we we talked a couple months ago about this. And I was like, I started to cry because, and and it hit me. It's like, wow, like, I don't even, I didn't even realize, I was, I didn't even realize how much I was missing having that part of my life. You know, I know Harris probably feels similarly and a lot of you maybe feel similarly. There's all of this loss of perceived uh, value. And so... I want to pause there just for a second to say like a lot of us have experienced, you know, whether it's economic loss in the future or whether it's uh, political loss or there's all sorts of things that are going, phys- health, uh, like I don't know how to say that word, but like uh, like, uh, from our physical health mm-hmm. loss, you know, there's all of this perceived loss in the future, with all this fear and disappointment is like this is not what I was expecting and then projected into the future. So here's here's what's interesting about that. What's interesting about that is, notice how I said it's the perception of loss of perceived value. So the question is, is it actually a loss of value or not, right? And and oftentimes, I want to get committed to being right about that. Like, yes, I can't travel anymore. That's a loss of value. Therefore, I should be sad about that. Or, yes, you know, this is what's going on sociopolitically. This is what's going on in our world. That's a loss. That's not what I want. Therefore, it's a loss of value. And if you've been a part of our show, you know that we, we uh, as coaches, reject that idea that actually value doesn't come from your external circumstances. Value doesn't come from whether I get to travel or not value for my life doesn't come from whether or not uh, I get to actually be, you know, I live in LA and Hollywood and, you know, watching all of these artists, like all the natural ways we make movies now is radically changed. And then Steven Soderbergh has put together a team and they're trying to figure out how do you make movies in the time of COVID and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's all of this, feeling of loss of perceived value, but that's not where value comes from. Value doesn't come from your external environment. Value comes from how you show up no matter what is happening in your external environment. We phrase it this way, which Harris mentioned, which is maximum value equals full participation. And so the great challenge for all of us as artists and storytellers and leaders and humans and citizens have been is like, how what does full participation look like in the era of COVID? What does full participation look like for, and that's the question we're going to wrestle with a little bit today, uh, is what does full participation look like at a virtual conference? You know, like we, we, we usually do this part of the talk uh, in the last couple of years. And it was always like, you know, extroverts and introverts, buddy up and, and you know, try to network, all day, all day, all day, all day, you know, you know. And so, that's now, now a new part of the conversation. I'll, I'll pause there, Harris. Do you have anything you want to add before I keep monologuing? No,
0: keep going. I think you're you're getting into some some good practical stuff about like okay, if it's not about how do we buddy up with an extrovert if we're an introvert or vice versa, how do we even attend to this thing? And I, again, I just want to remind everyone, this is this is not just applied to coming to story next week. Um, I just want to remind everyone that what you're talking about is universal to. Full participation and every aspect of your life, and soaking up all that life has to offer us. Uh, but yeah, let's just keep going on that idea. It's great.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's part of it. So one one of the ideas is uh, other coaches I've heard in our firm say, you know, it's it's about asking, it's it's about shifting from why is this happening to me to why is this happening for me. I like that idea. Uh, the way that I tend to look at it is how can I take anything that's happening to me and run it through the filter of how can I make this the best thing that ever happened to me. I find that to be incredibly resourceful, incredibly resilient, you know, so the question I might ask everyone on here, and by the way, you're going to come up with better ideas than us. But a question I might ask everyone who's watching this to think about is, okay, because of what's going on in the world, how can I leverage this to make this the best thing that ever happened to me? How can I leverage this to be the best thing? And, And so Harrison, I've been asking this in my own personal life. And so, you know, like I've been able to connect with my family in really unique ways. And it actually is really amazing, uh, just as an example of this, um, my parents, uh, This I love this story. So my, I love my parents. They usually come to, to Story Conference. Uh, some of you've seen me talk, you've heard me talk about them a lot. Maybe even some of you have met them before. They're so, so cool. And I just love how they're growing. The older oh, they get, they just keep getting- Pause in the- for
0: one second. I have to throw this out. I looked at a report recently on like, I dug into Story Socials, which I hardly ever look at. I'm guilty of not being as engaged on there as I should. Um, and when I dug in, it's like your your mom was one of the most active
1: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like comments on everything uh and anytime a post comes up or any piece of content that has to do with Jason Jagger, it's like she is there like with the zillion emojis. It's awesome, so real proof of what you're talking about,
1: oh <laughs> man. They're awesome. You know what? She she loves you, uh, my buddy Johan Kalilian, who's a speaker, author, and, and a podcast host. He's a coach in our firm as well. She lights him up. She just, and you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna lie. She does pick like the handsome men in my life. To uh, she's she's I think she's got some crushes on some. folks. Uh, careful because you're. But, I uh, think
0: your dad just commented. Uh, I think your dad's on this <laughs> webinar, so this could get awkward quick.
1: Yeah, it's great. Well, he knows. <laughs> he's he's part of the journey. So <laughs> <laughs> about them. He's this, this, this is awesome. This is great. Maybe this is worth the whole thing for somebody who's logged on. So my mom, my dad was in a car accident a long time ago. He got injured pretty good. My mom in the last two years or so has a like chronic intense back pain. They, they can't really go anywhere. It's painful to fly, you know, and so what are they going to do? Are they just going to like hang up their spurs and just like, you know, uh, you know, isolate themselves in their little big mansion in the suburbs of Kansas and just wither away. And one day my dad uh, texted me and he goes, uh, hey, I have a surprise. And I said, What's that? And he goes, We bought we we bought an RV. And I was like, what? Like, if you would have, if you would have asked me to make a list of a thousand things my parents would have bought, an RV would have never been one of them. I said, Why did you buy an RV? And they 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 uh they retrofitted, they bought an RV. And by the way, my parents are like public school teachers, lifelong public school teachers. It's not like they're like rolling them in the boot, you know, the moolah to, to spend money on things, but they bought an RV. They ripped out the seats and they put in Lazy Boys so that my mom can like sit and she sits in the back and they have walkie talkies and my dad drives and my mom and they like like breaker breaker one-niner like they can talk to each other, you know, uh, while they drive. and But now, the you know, the world is, and they bought it before COVID. So then COVID happened and no one can get on planes anyway. And so my parents have like turned that RV into their little mobile apartment. And they have, I've, they've traveled more in the last three or four months than they probably had in the last three or four years. Like they, they hit the road and every now and then, so now with my parents, with my like 60 something parents, who my dad's a little injured, my mom's super injured, you know, not the kind of people you think are like getting out there. My dad bought, my dad bought a, a canoe, an inflatable canoe and they just go and they find lakes and they'll send my sister and I pictures of them like living large campfires, canoes like my mom like you know they, they, they bought like a little life vest for her and they put her in the water and it decompresses her spine and they sent me a picture last night of my mom like in this uh in the water and she just looks so happy and every time she gets in the water she like loses like 20 years off her face like, instantly it's amazing and like that's a perfect example of they would have never done this if it wasn't for the external circumstances and they found a way they found a way to make some lemonade you know life is giving us a whole lot of lemons this yeah. year and they making some of the, my favorite lemonade of anybody that I know in the world. And they're, they're an inspiration to me, right? That's maximum valuables, full participation. They're like, we're not dead yet. You know, we're, we're, going to live as long as we're alive. And so to get practical, <laughs> to get practical,
0: <laughs> well, and I want to play devil's advocate a little bit too, because I listen to a story like that. And I would imagine it's like, okay, yeah, but that's different, like. You know, it's different because it's not apples and oranges of it was a physical conference where I get to go and network in person and be around other people. And now I'm just going to watch a two day long webinar, which is not at all what story is this year, right? Like that's, that's a misconception and a mindset issue. Um, so like, how do we bring that down to the way that we attend the conference?
1: Yeah, so what I want to do is I want to start asking a couple of questions, right? And we may get into listenings. We may not, depending on where the conversation goes. But uh, what I want to suggest to everyone listening is the value that you create in your life is contingent on the questions you ask of life, you know, and so part of helping you get more value out of things is upgrading your questions, upgrading the kind of questions you're asking, you know, so rather than being in a state of disappointment about a virtual conference, I might replace the questions and say, so this is the question I want to invite everyone to ask how could i make this year's story conference the best conference i've ever been to in my life of any kind ever period what well, well, how would i need to show up what would i need to do what would i you know how would i need to participate how would i need to experiment how would i need to you know fill in the blank and i think that question that's a fantastic bench press to get under and really push is imagine imagine if what are the things that you can do now virtually that you could never do because of going to an in-person conference. And I'll give, I'll give you an example and I'll use my parents again. So every year I'm, I'm connected to the Global Leadership Summit. I know Harris, you are too. And I love those people. I love that conference. It's a leadership conference. It's fantastic. Uh, in fact, they send people a, a little, so like they send like secret Santa shoppers to Story Conference every year to to watch what Story is doing, to pull best practices and things <laughs> like that. So it's, a fun, it's a really fun relationship there and I love them. And they do, they do such a good job. But here's what's interesting. You know, my, my parents have never been to the leadership summit and I want that for them. You know, like I believe every human being is a leader. I believe just like I believe every human being a storyteller. And I want every person to be a part of story. And I want every person to go to, to the leadership summit. And because it was virtual this year, for the first time ever, I got to buy my parents tickets. And for the first time ever, my parents got to go. And you know what? My parents might not have ever gone had it not been for the virtual offering. And so even like, and, 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 so, you know, I care about my parents. My parents are leaders. I want them to look at themselves like they're leaders, and I want them to go to this conference. And so, in fact, there are a bunch of people who I bought tickets for, and even you know, Harris, you know this. I asked, I bought, I bought tickets. You know, even though I can get comped, like I'm doing okay, and 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 I was like, Harris, I want to buy tickets to Story because I want to give away tickets to Story, uh, my uh, as my gift to my friends and my family and the people that I love and care about because I think this is an important. This is important, and. You know, I've got executives or people who are going to be a part of story this year who might not be able to go to Nashville for two days because they're doing their own thing and they're running their multi-billion whatevers, but they will go to a virtual conference and then they can sit there with their kids and watch like what I've recommended people do or et cetera. So there are things that open up because it's virtual, like even, and this is, this is where, and forgive me, you can feel free to interrupt whenever you want, but I want you to, I want you to write this down if you're watching this, this is so important. And this is something that came out of a conversation with Harris, which is why I love conversations with Harris. Some of my, some of my best stuff comes when I'm talking with Harris. Uh, but it, it dawned on me when Harris and I were talking, prepping for this, that the, the embodiment the the, 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 full, the the full embodiment of maximum, or I'm not going to say this right. I, this is so new, I haven't found like the way to say it. Maybe y'all can help me. Uh, the, the, the deepest expression of full participation is leadership. And maybe, maybe I'll say that again. The deepest expression, the most expanded expression of full participation—like if if maximum value equals full participation, then the deepest expression of that is leadership. Now, there's there's this uh, ancient proverb that says that it's way more better to way more better. It's way better to give than it is to receive. Like this is this, that's like spiritual physics right? All the research, all the anthropology, all the sociology will tell you that it's 10 times more powerful to give than it is to receive, which is, which is why we're talking about consumption versus leadership. And leadership is service. Leadership is an act of generosity. Leadership is serving others. It's caring about more than just yourself. Like in our in our coaching work, we say, it's about being up to something bigger than yourself. And so for me to buy tickets Story and then gift them to clients or gift them to friends and family or gift them to people on my team. That's an act of leadership, it's an act of generosity. And I promise you, I'm gonna get way more from that than if I just show up for me, you know. And I'll, and I'll give you another quick example of this. So, like, uh, I'll use it, I'll use this as a spiritual perspective. So, you know, I, I have a faith background, I used to be a pastor, and I love reading, and I love reading the scriptures. I leave, I, I, I read the scriptures from my faith tradition every day. And one of the things I love to do is read a chapter of Proverbs every day. It's Hebrew Proverbs. And sometimes they borrowed from Assyrians and others at the time and like conglomerated them. And it's just an amazing source of wisdom. And I don't know about you, but our world is like in desperate need of wisdom right now. At every level, in every pocket, on every side, we are desperate for wisdom. And so I'm reading wisdom literature is what they call it right now. And so I read it every morning. And then I was working with one of my clients and he was doing the same thing. And I was like, I wonder why we don't like share this with other people. Like, why don't I, share, you know, spread the wealth a little bit? And he's like, Oh, that's a great idea. And so we're so now every morning I read a chapter of Proverbs, and then I highlight key ones that stick out to me, and then I just copy and paste, and then I send it to a bunch of people. I send them to all my clients, and it's not religious. Like it's Proverbs, you know. Like it's not like you have to believe anything in order to get value out of it. It's incredibly wonderfully secular that way, and so. Uh, I send it to my clients, I send it to friends, I send it to family, I, you know, I, and, I, and I share what I'm learning. And in doing that, I get way more out of it because I'm, in, and you could call that leadership, like I'm leading other people to think about things that are valuable, um, but I'm, I'm getting more out of it because I'm being generous, because I'm leading, because I'm sharing. And if, if you want to get maximum value out of something, lead. So now in to order to get it practical with the conference, I might ask you these questions. And by the way, Harris is not asking me, to ask these questions, you put it this way: Harris is not asking me to ask these questions. Uh, you know, I'm not doing. I'm. I I love Harris. I love story. I love this community. I'm not. I don't get paid for this. You know, like that kind of thing. So, but this is what I want to ask you for your benefit. If you really want to get max value, and I don't think Harris even knows is going to say this. If you want to get max value out of the story conference, this is the first question I want you to ask yourself: Who can you invite to experience it with you? Whether that's tickets whether that's uh, inviting someone in your living room. I don't know what the rules are about, you know, if you get a ticket, can you allow lots of people to go in? You know, Harris, you and the story folks can like speak to that. But I promise you, you will get 10 times more out of it if you invite other people into it with you. The best way to get the most out of the story community is to share the story community. And that is true of anything. And, And by the way, there's lots of ways to do that. So I'll give you a practical, like one is, of course, you can buy a ticket or ask someone to buy a ticket or send them the link or like that kind of thing. That's fine. But also it's as you're learning, there's two different ways to like take notes uh, while you're going through a conference. One way is to write them down in your notebook that you're going to close and maybe look at one more time and then discover in your closet a year from now. The other way is to publish your notes in real time, tweeting, Instagram, texting your friends, sending an email capturing it, processing it, dialoguing about it. If you lead anything like saying, hey, let's set up a meeting two weeks after a story conference, I'm just gonna walk through my notes and so we can relive the experience together. And what did I learn and how can I apply it? Like, There's there's a lot of ways of uh, sharing what's happening that's gonna happen in those two days. And I could be cynical and think, oh yeah, Jason's just saying that so that it's more promotion for story or whatever, but like, who cares about that? It, you're going to get ten times more value because then people are going to start engaging with you on it. They're going to say, "I like that," "I don't like that." Ooh, let's wrestle about that. All these things start to 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 spring up when you start bringing community into your own internal dialogue, and that that to me is like one of the best ways to make the most of the experience. And you can do that with or introvert. So I'll, I'll pause there, Harris. <laughs> what do you think? I think
0: it's great. Stuff. I think it's great. Uh, I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, because I don't I, we just kind of fly over it and I think it's really key because to me the first time I heard you say this a few years ago I don't know why it struck me so deeply it was such a simple concept but something as someone who had been to I guess if you count the ones I've spoken at hundreds of conferences but as an attendee you know dozens of conferences and yet I had never paused to get clear on what is it that I really want to get out of this conference because I mean, I don't, there's no need, it's not necessary to make an exhaustive list, but th- how do you end up at a conference? You you get promoted, someone tells you about it, you look at the website and you're like, oh, sounds cool. For whatever reason, the website convinces you, you buy a ticket or a friend tells you to. And then usually a bunch of time lapses between the time you register and by the time the conference arrives. And it's on your calendar. And if you're not careful, you just kind of pack for it. And then you just kind of attend it. And then you just kind of multitask during it. And then you just kind of go home. And then you just kind of find yourself in your boss's office. If you were sent there by and what went with the team and they're like, how was it? And you're like, it was great. And there is just not a level of intentionality around planning the experience and what you specifically wanted to extract from it. And so I just want to make sure we hit that one more time. And you, you did it by way of asking yourself some questions. What are some good questions? Maybe just list them again. So they aren't missed. So between now and next Thursday morning, what should people pause and ask themselves?
1: Yeah, I, well, I like what you said. I like the idea of pausing and asking yourself. Imagine, imagine those two days of the virtual conference exploded your fill in the blank artistry, creativity, storytelling capacity, whatever it is you're up to, whatever it is you want. Imagine that it just changed everything, like like a like a movie trailer always tells us it should. The thing that that changes everything in a world that the conference that changes everything. Right, like to ask yourself that question, then, then say, "What would you need to get out of it for that statement to be true? What would you need to get out of story in order for it to be the conference that changed everything for you?" And and here's here's what I would actually we'll go back to those uh, intersecting circles from the beginning of the conversation. So I want I want you to to think about it in terms of these these filters. One is so asking, "What do you want for yourself?" is is stage one. If you can just do that, that's a big win. Like, what do you want? And I, what I'm not going to say is, what do you want to get out of the conference? What I want to, because that's the, a consumptive model. I would like to ask you, what do you want to create from the conference? What value do you want to create from the conference? Because it's on you, not anybody else, to create the value. So that's like level one. Then, uh, oftentimes, there's that level two, what we mentioned is like, so it's like, what do you want for yourself? And level two is, what do you want from other people? And that's something, too, like what do you want from the conference, what do you want from the speakers, what do you want from uh, Harris and the community and infrastructure and all that kind of thing. That's a great question. But then the leader question is is different than those two. It's not saying what do you want for yourself. It's not saying what do you want from other people. The leadership question is asking this question. What do you want for other people? So. so I want, by the way, and I, we used to talk about this a lot uh, when I was a pastor back in the days when I was on staff at Mosaic, and that was some of my favorite vocational years of my life. So long as people treated Sundays at Mosaic like a, like a, a resource to consume, it was very limited. You know, because then like it's like oh I've heard that talk before I've heard that story before oh we sang that song before or whatever right and even like now in this conversation you might be saying oh I've heard Jason say that before oh I've heard or I've heard that somewhere else before I read that someplace else whatever that's a consumptive model a consumptive listening that really by the way destroys value like asking what can I get from something is the worst way to get anything valuable from it but asking the question what do I want for people so then and what that did was it made me stop looking at. Uh, mosaic Sunday mornings, like a church service, as a meal for me to consume, and it was more like a tool for me to use to build something with, right? Build better relationships, to build a better impact in the world, to 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 become to build a healthier society, right? Those types of things. And it's the same thing. I want to ask you that question with story: is to say, what? Imagine the story community was a tool, was a resource for you to use to do something or to create something. What would you want to use it for? And so another question is, is like another way of saying that is, what do you want for the people in your life? What do you want for your city? What do you want for this country? What do you want for whatever pocket of the world you're in? And how can you use story as a tool to serve your family, to serve your community, to serve other artists, to serve uh, whoever it is that you care about that you want to serve? And I think that could be a really powerful, that, that opens up the ball game a whole lot wider. Like it opens the aperture up to, to, to use story to create a, a lot more value in your life. And so those are, those are a long winded way of, of authoring some questions that you might wanna ask yourself.
0: It's so good and something again, that so few people actually take the time to be intentional about. So I think that's great advice. You shouldn't just be sitting around between now and next Thursday waiting there are things that you can do to prepare and sort of pre-game the experience to uh, to get ready to maximize that value. Um, you hit on a word, we had a few minutes left here, you hit on a word earlier and it was listenings. And I love the way that you frame up that word. Um, and I think it, it's probably a cool way for us to combine these ideas of maximum value equals full participation and bring it back to leadership. What do you mean yeah. when you say the word listenings?
1: Yeah. So this is, this has become huge, by the way, this was taught to me by my coach, just as an aside, don't ever hire a coach who doesn't have a coach. Uh, so I have a coach. Uh, I, 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 one of the best in the world. I get to work. I, am grateful. I get to work with him. I would, when I was before COVID, I was flying twice a month to his place to meet with him in person. And uh, which is, which is a great experience for me and really enjoy, really enjoyed my experience with him. And he taught me this phrase. I'm going to give it to you. Here's a phrase, the listening that you are, Shapes the future that you live into and we in fact, I'll touch on this now I'll probably talk more about this in my breakout at story So if you want to hear a deeper dive into this in part uh, Would invite you into that the listening that you are shapes the future that you live into and Here's what I mean by that. It's it's phrased a little bit differently by the way It's kind of like uh, Steve Jobs Apple think different, you know, like one's a verb one's an adverb You want to say think differently and they're like no think different the listening that you are So it's essentially it's inviting you to consider the possibility that what you are when you think of who you are you're a li- you you are a listening you are an interpreting you are a meaning making machine like all you're doing all the time is creating meaning as an example you're not hearing what i'm saying that's okay like you're not hearing what i'm saying you're hearing what you make up that i'm saying so i'm saying sounds and consonants and and vowels and things and we're packaging them together and we have sh- some shared meaning what words mean and things like that but when i say father you're gonna think one picture, and I'm gonna think one picture, and Harris is gonna think another picture. When I say uh, conference, you're gonna think one thing, I'm gonna think one thing, and I don't know if this is online, but if you wanna go back and watch Kim Black's genius talk about putting quotes around things to help you understand that there's possibilities locked in words that you have to unleash, and you can only unleash once you stick quotes around them. right? So we all carry around listening filters, and I, I see Wendy using that phrase. We all have listenings, and there are some listenings that create value, and there are other listenings that diminish or destroy value. I'll give you an example. Oftentimes, people approach things like this, or people approach conferences with the, have I heard this before or not listening? And if I've had, it, if I've heard it before, I discredit it. And if I haven't heard it before, I lean in, ooh, this is new, and we're addicted to the novel. By the way, some people have the, the flip side uh, filter, which is, have I heard it before or not? And if it sounds new and, and weird and strange, I discredit it. But if it sounds familiar and safe and comfortable, I love it, right? And so all of us come with these listenings and which is another, another word for listenings is like judgments or beliefs. And so as you're preparing for the conference, I wanna invite you to be thinking about what would be the most powerful listenings for you to uh, interact with this conference around. As an example, one listening is, I'm committed to making value no matter how talented the speaker is. Like imagine if you didn't need a speaker to be funny or interesting or insightful or cool or attractive or whatever it is that we, whatever listening filters we have that we use to either credit or discredit people. Like if you read the bio and it's like, oh, this person doesn't have a good bio, therefore I'm not going to listen to them. Of course, everyone's free to do what they want. If that's working for you, keep doing what you're doing. But what I want to suggest is that uh, at least I want to be the kind of person who can create value from any kind of speaker. And I want to be humble enough to set my judgments aside so that I can create value from any kind of speaker. And I'll give you one quick example, and then we can wrap things up. Uh, just recently, so in our firm, everyone has a coach. In fact, I have multiple coaches. Everyone in our firm has a coach as well, everyone, including our assistants and everybody. Everyone has a coach. And uh, one of our, we have tiers of coaches. We have newer coaches, and then we have middle coaches, and we have top tier coaches or whatever, and price points, blah, blah, blah. So one of our like mid-tier coaches reached out to me just the other day, and they said, hey, Jason, uh, I noticed that you show up for coaching. Like, you, you, you lead this thing. You know, she said, like, you're, you're one of the best coaches in the world. And you still show up to be coached by people. And you get coached by people who, like, aren't as good as you. And she goes, I just want to tell you that I noticed that. And I replied back to her. And I said, yeah. I said, a great coach can be coached by anyone. I said, like, I, I, want, to be, I want to be the kind of guy to where the worst coach in the world could be working with me. And I would make magic from that, just because that's who I'm committed to being. I'm committed to making magic, no matter who shows up or what the world gives me. And that's what we're inviting you into in this whole story process. Is imagine showing up in a, in a week saying, "I'm committed to making magic." I'm, you know, and I dare Harris and I dare the conference to, to out magic me in the value that I'm going to create uh, because of what they're offering or whatever whatever they're serving up. And it's going to be amazing, but. I'm committed to making magic with it. How much more, how much more value that would create. And then, you know, I like the way Harris says this. Imagine if you did that in your marriages. Imagine if you did that with your friends. Imagine if you did that with your kids. Imagine if you did that with whatever city you're in or whatever space you happen to exist in to say, Hey, look, I've, I've got a whole thing here. I'm committed to making magic. And and the people who do that are the ones who really thrive and, and are successful in life. Um,
0: yeah. I was talking to John Booker the other day, who's going to share some thoughts with us this year, next week. Um, and he was, he caught me in a moment of vulnerability during our call. I was stressed out. There was a bunch of stuff going on. I didn't get everything done that day. Um, he was just like, how are you feeling? I was just like, ah, I'm just at this very moment. There's still a small part of me. That's just like, I can't believe this is that we're forced to do this virtually because there's so much magic in the room at story. Um, and he was like, you know, sort of like checked me on it. He was like, you, you know that you don't create all that magic, right? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, the magic is in the community. Like, it doesn't matter how, what the format is, man. Like when you show up on Thursday, if you're not expecting it, you're going to be surprised by it because the magic is going to be there, whether you're ready for it or not, because it's just, it's in the ethos of what we built. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of caught me off guard. And so, yeah, I think there's this natural balance of like, what can we do to intentionally plan for it and create it show up maximize our value through full participation and then also just come with an openness to soak up and absorb all the magic that we come in contact with it's pretty cool
1: i'll tell you what as you know as a person who gets to be in your wake harris like i want to thank you and i want to thank everyone who's on here because you know all of you there's 191 people on right now You can do anything you want with your time and you're showing up to be equipped to make the most of this experience i want to say this that is rare that is the story community is special and what harris is up to and what why i like being a part of that world and your world and why i love being associated i consider myself a part a a member of the story community is because we we are the kind of people if you're around here you're the kind of person harris i'm the kind of person and 191 people on this call are the kind of people we, we long to be the kind of people that can make magic from anything. You know, and I think that those are the stories that we love the most. You know, like the Rocky is interesting because here's a guy who shouldn't be able to make magic with anything. And he made magic with his life. You know, Luke Skywalker shouldn't be able to make magic with anything. The young ladies from the League of Their Own shouldn't be able to make magic with anything. And there's something primal and sacred about a group of people who come together in adverse circumstances and make magic. And, uh, and it's real magic. And I think that's what you do and, and that's why I love being a part of this community. So thank you.
0: Yeah, man, it's it's really, it's such an honor and such a privilege. And um, I think John's right. And I think you're right. The magic is gonna be there regardless because it's it's in these people. Um, and I'm so, I'm so excited about next week. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. As we close, please stay on screen because I wanna just make sure everyone knows what's going on and give you guys a chance to ask questions. Um, Our virtual conference platform opens up on Wednesday, even though our official programming general session one doesn't begin until Thursday morning, the platform itself is going to open on Wednesday. So think of that as us opening the doors to the venue which means that you guys have a chance to begin to act on some of this stuff that jason's talking about so there is an entire virtual space in our virtual venue that is dedicated to you guys meeting each other Uh, we didn't get a lot of time to get into introverts extroverts jason but if 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 you go to a virtual conference venue and you click on a connection button and then all of a sudden your camera turns on and then there's another stranger that pops up what do you do in that scenario? It's just like, hi, my name is, and this is what I do for a living. How do we elevate that experience? I think probably it goes back to giving versus taking, right, is what I would predict you yeah. would say. Any tips on that? Yeah.
1: Well, I like, I like your answer better than mine. For, first of all, it's worth saying uh, for the introverts in the house, a virtual conference is an introvert's dream come true. <laughs> right. I mean, in your pajamas, in your living room, you know, like if there were, if, if I was getting ready to speak in front of 200 people, I'd be anxious But because you can't tell, but I'm wearing like gym shorts up down here, right? Like uh, you know, I feel very comfortable and there's something very natural uh, about just being in your home and interacting and you're safe, you know, like there's all these extra elements. So I, I think for the, I'm, I, I want to challenge the introverts a little bit. Like I'm not going to let them off the hook. Like uh, you're, you're safe, you're home, you, you know, you've got your, you're, you're going to be talking to people through your, our favorite habitat. <laughs> the screen. So this is where we. I, I, I want to challenge. I'm an introvert too. I want to say go like I, I like what Carla's saying. Go introverts. This is our conference. This is going to be our. This is it like like in Goonies? This is our time, and like this is our time to show up and to share and explore and to give and to serve and to share our tweets and to share our thoughts and to share our brilliance and and to participate in a way that uh, all the extroverts can sit and be jealous of because we're the ones who are leading the show.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, I just got a message from the team behind the scenes asking if we should share the Facebook group. The answer is yes. Uh, Ashley or Kate, if you guys can grab that link, throw it in. Because the Facebook group is a good way to go ahead and start introducing yourself to other members of the story community between now and Wednesday. Um, like, Be shameless in that group. Like, Don't go in there. By shameless, I don't mean don't. Embody the opposite of what Jason has talked about on this call Uh, and just go in there and start hyping your stuff, but introduce yourself and let people know what you're working on and what your response is to what we've talked about today. What is it that you're hoping um, to be and experience and absorb and embody uh, over the course of the few days of story? Uh, So we'll got, yeah, we just got you guys a link to that. It's in the comments. Um, While we've been talking, there's a there's a few things of just kind of what to expect this year. Yeah, Jason, what's up?
1: Just real quick. Uh, I would I, I, Another gauntlet I want to throw down is show up to story looking for collaborators. The leadership is about collaboration. The biggest mistake I see artists make is they do not like to collaborate sometimes. But you can't make great art without collaboration. It's re- well, and I suppose maybe you could. I don't need someone to go prove me wrong about that. But you know, it, it's really important. And so as you're sharing your work, go in not looking for someone to find you be thinking about who do you need to collaborate with? Who would you love to collaborate with? And then go looking for collaborators and spread that out. I'm a fierce believer that you can accomplish more together than alone and story, I I think we would both, Harris and I would both love for Academy Awards and Pulitzer Prizes to come out of this experience where people are like, we met a story, we met a story, we met a story. And and I'll no, I'll shut up and Harris keep going because you actually have things you need to talk no, about.
0: <laughs> that happens all the time. I get text messages. Kevin Carroll's the best at it. Kevin, who I saw again, I don't know if he's still on or not, but he'll he's like, he'll send me a text message with a picture of him at Google hanging out with a bunch of Googlers that were at Story last year. And it just everywhere you go, it, nothing fills my heart. I shouldn't say nothing. It's one of the things that fills my heart with so much joy is just seeing other people who met at Story continue to connect and collaborate. Um, I have a slide of our schedule up right now, just because I want to speak to the intentionality for those who are hanging out and just want to continue to dig into prep for next week. Um, th- this is obviously not an accident. Nothing we do at Story is an accident. Um, but w- a traditional conference schedule, typically, you know, you know how it is, Jason. Everyone comes in a general session, they have this big shared experience together, and then they sort of break up and then go into individual breakout sessions. We realize in light of COVID, there are people that are hosting some responsible watch parties There are some teams that are getting together from companies and organizations and experiencing story together. My thought is it would be kind of awkward if you're in a general session and you're like, that was awesome. And then you have all like 40 different breakouts to choose from, which we have this year. And you're like, well, do we all have to go to the same one since we're all together? Um, It's like, well, I guess you can go to the bedroom, you can take your laptop to the bathroom uh, so that everyone can go into individual rooms. And so what we have done is we have split up the conference schedule. So day one is designed intentionally to be experienced together as a community. So we're going to do all four of our main general sessions over the course of that day. And then day two is designed to be focused on instruction in response to the inspiration offered to you by day one. So if you're going to have a watch party, you're going to get together with friends and watch together. Do that on day one and on day two. Essentially, you'll be able we're going to start the day together and end the day together all in the same virtual room but that way you can choose workshops and breakouts throughout the day. Um, There's people asking questions about how they sign up for breakout. Jason is doing a breakout. You heard him talk about that earlier. Jason, every year at story, one of the frustrations that we receive in the surveys is how many people could not make it into your breakout happens every single year. And the fire code people come and talk to us and they're like, Hey, we're sorry. You can't have this meeting. And we're like, it's only going to last like 45 more. And they're like, sorry, we have to kick people out. We have to close the doors. People get really frustrated with us because they're like, we tried to go to Jason Jagger's breakout. What's cool about being virtual again, this hits on what we talked about earlier is now our breakout spaces can scale exponentially. So is like everyone could come to your breakout if they really wanted to, but it also means we have a lot more breakout options going on as well. Um, And so no one has to sign up to answer your question that I saw earlier. No one has to sign up for breakouts. By the time Wednesday morning gets here, I think we're going to be able to hit you guys with it in your inboxes earlier next week. So you should get it before Wednesday, but you're going to get an actual breakout guide that clearly tells you who is speaking in each of those breakout sections. So you can begin to make your selection and plan out, choose your own story adventure, so to speak. So if you want to go attend Jason's breakout, you'll find out which breakout session he's speaking in you'll get to read the description of his breakout and the key takeaways of what you will learn. That way you can plan your schedule accordingly. You don't have to sign up. You can just jump into Jason's breakout when it starts.
1: That's awesome. And by the way, I, you know, I've been able to look at some of the people who are going to be doing breakout. like Janet from our firm is going to be doing a breakout. There's some amazing people. Rick uh, Lewis is going to do one. I, I just can't wait for all the breakouts. I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the hardest part of our story this year is going to be like wanting to go to everything. And by the way, it won't hurt my feelings at all if some of you who've you know seen me a bunch of times want to want to go give somebody else a chance. Uh, that's what I love about story is like there are there are new voices, and and I, I I love story being a place where new voices can explore and be heard and be seen and, and be appreciated. And uh, Harris, thanks for creating a platform so for so many new voices to 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 share and invest in people.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I'll say another note about that. You know. All tickets come with a seven day replay, which means that all the breakouts will be recorded. And so if there's something you missed or you didn't take proper notes and you wanna go back and be like, what did he say? You'll be able to go back and see that, which means that as you choose breakouts, try not to stress out. You're going to be frustrated because there's so many good options, right? So my advice is choose the breakout with the presenter that you most want to interact with live. Absorb as much value as you can. And then for the ones that you're bummed about missing, you can go back over the course of the following week and check that out. If you buy a VIP ticket, you get lifetime access to all that content. Um, so you don't feel the pressure to do it in that single week. So it's great. That's Here awesome. are those uh, two tickets. Um, the ticket price goes up by $100 on Friday, which is today. So at midnight, tonight, okay. those two prices, two ninety nine dollars and $4.97, they go up today. So those are the two ticket options. You can register if you have not gotten your ticket yet at Story Twenty Twenty dot com. Um, Jason, I'm so grateful for you, man. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm blown away by what you continue to build. Um, We send so much of our community uh, when they come to us and they're just like, hey, you guys keep talking about the value and role that a coach has played in your life. Like, who does that? Where do I go? Um, Which is why we consistently send them to you guys. Uh, And it was frustrating a few years ago because I was trying to refer everyone to you and they're like, i can't get in he's like too booked up um and what like what do i do and so it's awesome that you started to build out this really amazing team uh so many different availability and price points and so if there's anyone on this is like how do i get in touch with a Novus global coach what's the first step what would you recommend they do
1: Yeah, two things about that one is thank you for saying that harris as always so you can you can reach out jason at and i'll put in the Boom! If you email me at jackson@global, I, I may not be the personal one to respond, but you will get responded to. If you're looking into what Harris said, we have coaches at all varying price points. Um, people doing all sorts of different things. It's really exciting for us. Uh, and I also say uh, one of the ways is uh, Harris has a mastermind group, and so I think I think I've seen some stuff on there. Uh, Harris, is that open right now? Are you? Is there another round of that coming?
0: It's coming. There's not a round open right now, but it's coming. Okay. We'll do another one. So, so,
1: of course, I'm always thrilled when folks from the story world come to us, and and I would be remiss to say uh, they're, they're, Harris is a genius, and he's also creating ways. So we're we're all, we're on the same team. And I would I would say this, um, it is there are lots of ways to invest in yourself. Story conference is one of those ways. And I would say if you're an artist or if you're a leader and you're not investing in yourself in some way, that you're leaving value and money on the table. And whether that's a mastermind group, whether that's coaching whether that's therapy, whether that's inviting people to go to story, whether that's 12 step program, which is free 99. And I highly recommend some of you know, I've been, in, I was in 12 step for, for years, very valuable for me, but create spaces where the focus is on you and you growing and you'll never regret it. And uh, story, it can be a lightning rod for all those experiences as well. So uh, we just, we just want to create a community where people uh, have the courage and self-awareness to invest in themselves.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Nick asked the schedule for the VIP conference workshop with Alicia Uh, That begins at 11 a.m. Central Time, noon Eastern. Um, So check that out if you're interested. We'll send you guys details about that. Again, so many more, so much more information coming to your email. So watch your inboxes. Jason, we are going to announce the coming of the sun through Story this year. And to borrow a phrase from you a few months ago at the very beginning of the pandemic, we are going to do what creators and storytellers do, which is create our way out of this crisis. Um, I can't wait yeah. to hear what you have to share with us at Story this year. Um, and on behalf of the entire Story community, thank you for what you've shared with us today. Um, so much wisdom from you, as always, and I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Ferris. Love you, man. Love you, Story. Thanks for being Love here. You
0: too. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today. I can't wait to see you next week. We'll kick started with some videos on Wednesday when we open the doors of our virtual oh. venue at Story 2020. See you soon. Have a great weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with jason he always delivers amazing wisdom Uh, and that happens whether it's something on a public platform like a webinar or on stage at story or through his breakouts or talks or honestly i am blessed to say just the times that we have conversations on the phone um, I'm just a grateful that that guy's a part of my life. He is such a wise individual and so good at what he does. You can learn more about Novus Global, check them out. Um, they're an incredible group of coaches who can completely transform your life and your work. And I'm so excited that a few of them are gonna be participating in the story experience this year. If you do not have your ticket to story, you only have a few days left, depending on when you're listening to this episode, it might have already passed. If you wanna get a ticket, The prices are probably now increased since we're only days away. However, I've got a discount code for you for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you do not have a ticket yet, register now at story2020.com. And at checkout, use the code STORYPODCAST100. That's STORYPODCAST100, no spaces. It is not cap sensitive. And that will give you $100 off. That's it for this episode. I am Harris the Third. As always, we're so grateful that you're a part of this community, and I can't wait to see you online this week at Story 2020. The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. It is hosted and curated by Harris Third, and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely. All music for season four of the Story podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com.